the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. My eyes are dry. My faith is old. My heart is hard. My prayers are cold. And I know how I ought to be alive. I woke up this morning and I was excited about Jesus. When you woke up this morning, were you excited about Jesus? Did you see today as another opportunity to walk with him, to serve him, to be alive in him? Or are you backslidden? Have you drifted back in your walk with Jesus? Now, you may be unconscious of what your condition is before him because usually this happens very slowly. We don't even notice that it's happening often. The scriptures say in Matthew 24, verse 12, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The love of most will grow cold. 
that verb, grow cold, literally in the Greek it means to be breathed upon gently, to chill slowly. And then when it says stands firm, in the Greek it literally means to stay under, to endure. Today, would you answer an honest question? Has the wickedness of the world influenced you and caused you to drift back? Are you happy with your walk with Jesus today? Are you excited about Jesus? Now, there are some very clear ways you can test what your excitement level with Jesus is. Number one, have you spent time today reading the Word? Have you spent time meditating on that and crying out in prayer to Jesus? As soon as I opened my eyes this morning, yea, even before I opened my eyes, my heart was being poured out to Jesus. I was crying out to Jesus for you, asking Jesus to revive you, to make you excited about Jesus. So one of the signs that you are not backslidden is that you eagerly pour your heart out to Jesus in prayer. You read the word and you pour your heart out to Jesus. There's passion there. There's often tears there. If that's not your current experience, you are backslidden. Then another very real sign. Are you sharing the gospel of Jesus with the people where you work or the people you associate with? Are you talking about Jesus? How many conversations do you have each day about Jesus with other people? If you're not talking with Jesus and then you're not talking to other people about Jesus, you are in a backslidden state. You are in a very dangerous place. There's a lack of excitement in your soul. Maybe it used to be there, but it's gone now. The increase of wickedness has drained away. It has chilled your walk with Jesus Christ. Now, I've shared with you that this broadcast is about revival. What is revival? Well, revival is a new opportunity to obey Jesus. It's a starting over. It's a new beginning. Do you need a new beginning with Jesus? Are you caught in the trap plowing that furrow, plodding along, no excitement, no reading of the Word? I often will ask Christians, what was one thing Jesus said to you this week that absolutely set your heart to dancing? Well, I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? The God of heaven, he comes and he speaks to us. What did he say to you? What did he say to you in the scriptures? What did he say to you in the prayer closet? Do you understand? There's The relationship with Jesus is one that is alive. 
It dances. It sparkles. It's real. It's dynamic. It's terrifying sometimes. What is your relationship with Jesus? You see, when revival begins to be desperately needed, it's when the church is in a backslidden state. Now, what causes the backslidden state? Well, already I've identified one cause is the increase in wickedness. But there are some very specific things that will create a backslidden condition in your life. We have a smorgasbord before us of activities and events. We have work and all the demands of work. We have televisions and all the movies. We have the video games. We have the bars and the clubs, the restaurants. We have friends. We have the health club. We have so many different things we can choose from, and our days are so short. There's not much time in a day. How do you spend that day? What are you doing with your time through the day? Tell me, does Jesus absorb your time and your energy throughout the day? Or do all the things of the world, the flesh, and the devil attract your attention? Now, I like to go to the club, the health club. I go to L.A. Fitness because I have a very inexpensive membership there. I pay $5 a year. Now, I go there and I work out. Why? Not so I can be a gym rat. I don't go to the gym to socialize. I go to the gym for two reasons. One, to help strengthen my body to bear the work of the gospel. And secondly, I always go looking for an opportunity to talk to a man or to a woman about Jesus. <laughs> See, I do that everywhere I go, whether it's the grocery store or the Starbucks or wherever I am, I'm interested in talking to people about Jesus. When I go to a friend's house, what do I want to do there? I want to talk about Jesus. See, Jesus is the most exciting person in my life. I like to talk about him. I like to ask questions of other people about how they understand Jesus because Jesus has captured my heart. Has he captured your heart? Or is it the same old, same old, boring? You know, I see married couples on occasion I'll see him sitting outside at the pizza place or wherever it is. And I'm always interested to see if they're talking to each other. And often they are not talking to each other. They're just sitting there, each on their telephone, or they're chowing down on their pizza or their dinner, but they're not excited about each other. There's not much going on between them. They've become roommates. 
Have you become a proverbial roommate with Jesus? You call yourself a Christian. You perhaps might even go to church. But he doesn't absorb the best part of your day, and he doesn't absorb your interest and your concerns. So what is revival? It is first and foremost a growing conviction that I am distant with Jesus and there is a hunger in my heart to know him. There is a conviction that I am walking in sin. And some of you wonder, why, Pastor, are you always talking about sin? Because sin is the poison that cost Jesus his life on Calvary's tree. Sin is rebellion against Almighty God. It's a voluntary action. It's rebellion. It's something I choose to do. I don't want to choose to be in rebellion against Jesus. So if you want to come back and be close with Jesus, or if, you know, let's let's lay it out this way. There are three kinds of people who are listening now to this broadcast. Identify which one you are. There are those of you who are absolutely saying, yes, pastor, I'm excited about Jesus. Yes, pastor, I'm laying my life down for Jesus. Yes, pastor, I agree with you. Jesus is everything to me. I'm walking in obedience before him. I'm not walking in any known sin. And I call you a Christian. That's my definition of a Christian out of Scripture. Then there's a second group of people, and you're listening too. And you're the ones who say you're a Christian, but you're still walking in known rebellion against him. You're not really following Jesus. You're asking him to follow you. You're wanting to take Jesus with you wherever you go. You've misunderstood you didn't know that Jesus was wanting to take you along with him. And so you're a cultural Christian. And then there's a third group of you who are listening to this broadcast. Those of you who are cynical, you're not sure you even believe in the existence of God. Some of you are Hindu. Some of you are Muslim. You're wondering about God. There's something here that you keep being called back to listen to. But you're a sinner. You don't have victory over the or the alcohol or the tobacco. You don't have the victory over fornication. In fact, you have deliberately, on a number of occasions, directly turned against Jesus. You're interested in Jesus. You're interested in the Christian faith. You have some level of interest. But you've never really been born again. Well, in reality, we're only talking about two classes of people, please. We're talking about those who are converted who are alive in Jesus, who are on their way to heaven. And then we're talking about sinners. 
That's why Jonathan Edwards wrote that famous sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, because the wrath of God is against every man and every woman who is walking in any known rebellion or sin. You cannot have intimate fellowship with Jesus while you walk in rebellion against him. There's a passage of scripture that talks about this. Let me see if I can find it. John, the 14th chapter. Just one verse. Verse 15. If you may love me, you must keep my commandments. So it's not enough to say, I love Jesus, and then walk in rebellion against his commands. Walking in sin is walking in rebellion against Jesus. So if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, first you must love him, and secondly you must obey him. You must keep his commandments. They're not burdensome. He's not a hard man. So, I'm speaking to three groups of people who are really just two groups. Those who are saints, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit, and those who are in rebellion against Jesus at whatever level you choose to walk. Revival begins when that hunger in my heart begins to cry out for something real, something deeper in Jesus. Conviction of sin begins to come into my heart. The first sign of the coming of the Holy Spirit is conviction of sin. Backslidden professors usually cannot wake up and jump into service with God. No, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some searching of the heart. A man says, I'll follow Jesus. I will follow Jesus. I love him and I'm going to serve him. And then he doesn't show up in church. And then you hear that he's back in his alcohol and he's back in his fornication. Well, wait a minute. I thought he said he was a Christian. I'm so tired of false conversion. A false conversion is where you say, I will serve Jesus, but then you serve the devil. You serve your flesh. No, when you're converted to Jesus, the old is gone and the new has come. And you lay your life down. And you're excited about Jesus. And he absorbs you. You want him more than anything else. You give yourself to him. The old is gone. The new has come. You're a new creature in Christ. Never forget a man who came to the National Prayer Chapel. He fell down in the middle of the prayer circle and he said, if, if Jesus can't save me, I'm going to die. Been a heroin addict a chief of sinners. That day, the Holy Spirit came into his heart as he made a covenant with Jesus. And now for many years, he has walked absolutely clean before Jesus, a changed man. Another man who was a friend of his who walked in a similar way. 
he too got on his knees and confessed Jesus and said, I will serve Jesus. A few years later, he died of an overdose in squalor, in wickedness. What was the difference? One man was serious about his commitment to Jesus, and he cried out to Jesus, and Jesus delivered him. The other man only wanted Jesus to deliver him in his way, in his time. One man wanted to be used by Jesus as a servant. The other man wanted Jesus to be a servant to him. Jesus is not a servant to us. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the master of heaven and earth. And yes, he does come to serve. But he does not serve us in our wickedness. So my question to you again is, come on, be honest with me. What is the condition of your heart today? Are you alive in Jesus or are you still dead in your sin? Oh, you may be very religious. You may go to church every Sunday. You may even preach the sermon on Sunday. But you know what is the condition of your heart before Jesus. The foundation of sin must be broken up if you are going to be revived in Jesus Christ. In a true revival, Christians are always brought under conviction. They see their sin in its true light. And they see that it's impossible to maintain any hope of acceptance with God if they continue in their sin. Now, backslidden Christians must be brought to repentance. That's what a revival does. The preaching and the teaching searches our hearts and convicts us by the power of the Spirit of our wickedness before a righteous and just God. The first step in returning to Jesus must be an honest evaluation of where I stand with Jesus. It must be a careful look at how I spend my time and my money and my energy. It must take a careful look at how I have either pulled back or given myself to the work of Jesus Christ in this earth. There must be as the first step, a deep, a deep repentance, a breaking down of the heart, a getting down into the dust before God with deep humility and a forsaking of sin. Some of you listening to this broadcast, you're dead. You come and you listen, but you're still dead. You're hopeless. You've given up. You're consumed by the world and the flesh and the devil. Your heart's filled with cynicism and anger. You must get on your face before Almighty God. And you must allow the Holy Spirit to bring you 
into full repentance. And you do that by beginning to identify before Jesus everything you've done against him, everything you felt against him. In deep humility, you must choose now to forsake your sin. I've watched men who say they are Christian as they come to faith in Jesus. And then slowly I see them not so eager to see me anymore. Not so eager to talk anymore because they know they have a hidden life. They know they have a hidden place where they're still worshiping at their own idol. They know their heart is growing cold. And soon, if there is not a revival of their godliness, they will be swept away from Jesus by the tide of the world's wickedness. And it will just be a vague memory that at one time they wanted to serve Jesus. But they've now been washed away. You see, in revival, you have your faith renewed. Yes, it means a humbling of our hearts. It means no longer being blind to the state of our soul. It means to begin to see that our duty is to Jesus and not to the world, the flesh, or the devil. It means we turn off and cut off watching all of the entertainment of this world. It means we give up our nights of poker. It means we turn off the wickedness of the violent video games. It means we turn off the foolishness of radio and television. It means we no longer lust after things of this earth, and instead we give our time to searching after Jesus and humbling our hearts before him. When your heart becomes as hard and as polished as marble, the truths that I'm speaking about will seem like foreign dreams or nightmares. Your conscience must begin to work once more. Your conscience is a friend used by the Holy Spirit to begin to give you a true reading of your spiritual condition before a holy and righteous God. When you begin to be revived, one of the first signs that you're being revived is you begin to be desperately concerned about the salvation of others. Today, if you have no burning desire for the salvation of other men and women, you are in a backslidden condition. If today you cannot point to anyone you have brought to Jesus, you are in a backslidden condition. If you say to me, Pastor, I can't bring people to Jesus. If you say to me, Pastor, it's not my job to bring people to Jesus. You are in a backslidden condition. A man or woman who is excited about Jesus, 
who is totally given over to him will not be able to shut their mouths. They will speak with boldness and fervor, and they will honor the name of Jesus. They will forget about being acceptable. They will forget about pleasing people. They will be on fire for Jesus. If you're not on fire for Jesus today, you are in a backslidden condition and you need revival. You must have the power of the world and of sin broken over your life. You're going to have to have a new vantage ground, a new place. You're going to have to have a fresh impulse toward heaven. You must have a new foretaste of what heaven will be about. When you come to Jesus, he gives you new desires. The charm of the world is broken. And now you eagerly seek after Jesus. If this is not your experience, you need revival. We just identified I'm not sure what you call it. It's what you use in a computer to find someone. You know, that's nationalprayerchapel.com. What do you call that? I know, people laugh at me because of the lack of my tech ability. I'm not a techie. I'm a preacher of Jesus. But we just found a new one. It's called RevivalNow.Church. I pray soon there will be a whole revival webpage there. RevivalNow.Church. Remember that. Write it down. It's going to be very important for you in the near future. Because God is leading us to begin revival meetings on Monday night. I'll be announcing when those meetings will begin. You need revival if your heart is not on fire for Jesus. Now, when I read Matthew, 24th chapter. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Jesus is answering the disciples' questions about when all of this destruction is going to come to pass. And he's including in Matthew 24 the destruction of Jerusalem. But then he also begins to speak about what's going to happen at the end of time. What's going to happen at the last day. And he says, verse 27, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even to the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then he, in verse 29, says, The sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. This is what's going to happen. At that time, the sun, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations of earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. 
and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of the heavens to the other. This is the second coming of Jesus. It's not a secret rapture. It's a very public rapture. It's a catching up at the last day, the last trump. And then he goes on. He says, No one knows about the day or the hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the day when the flood came, people were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. In other words, they were living their normal lives. Up to the day Noah entered the ark, if they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came, and suddenly it came and it took them all away. This is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus is coming again. I'm excited about that. I want Jesus to come. But I want to use every moment I have to call you to be revived in Jesus, to be alive in him. There's a parable. It's found in the 25th chapter, immediately following this. Remember, there are no chapter headings in the original. One flowed right into the next. There were no verses either. He says, at that time, what time? The time when all these things are happening. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish. That word foolish? Careless. Does not make preparation. And five wise. They do what is necessary. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil and jars along with their lamps. In other words, five of them, half of the church was foolish. Half of them had a form of godliness with no power. They were sinners, backslidden. And there were five that were wise. They were making the preparation. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here comes the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil. Buy some for yourselves. Please understand. Revival is something that you must do between you and Jesus. Revival is not a meeting that you attend. Revival is when you make a decision to start again in obedience to Jesus. Not only do you say, I love him, but now you obey him. You turn aside from all known wickedness, from all known sin. Everything that causes a check in your spirit, you cast out. You spend time reading the word. You spend time earnestly praying and dealing with your own heart. You humble yourself before God. 
you recognize the wrath of God. You recognize that you are a sinner and you must be saved. It doesn't mean that you continue to be a sinner but now are covered by God's grace. Grace is defined as Titus defines it. It is that wonderful, godly influence that teaches us to say no to unrighteousness. Revival is when our heart before Jesus, we humble it. And we begin to say to Jesus, not only do I love you, Jesus, but I'll lay my life down for you. I will obey you, Jesus. I I will do what you've asked me to do, and I will do it as a part of the church. There's not salvation separate from the church. Now, some of you are in great trouble because the churches you go to are full of sin. And the pastor teaches that you cannot stop sinning. Read carefully the book of Jude. It exposes this wickedness. The book of Jude, the half-brother of Jesus. The book right next to Revelation. It uncovers this wickedness. So we have five foolish and five wise. Five did not have enough oil to keep their lamps lit. And their lamps began going out. They were backslidden. They were cold of heart. They were focused on everything but Jesus. And suddenly Jesus came. And they couldn't go because they had no light. The light of glory had been extinguished in their hearts. Has this happened to you? Are you with a form of godliness, but there's no passion anymore? There's no power anymore? You don't talk about Jesus. You don't read the word. You don't spend hours in his presence. Prayer has become dry and formalistic. You're dry. You're hard. You're orthodox. You know the theology but it's dry and cold in your mouth. There are things in your life that are wicked, that are draining away from you your salvation. I don't know what it is for you. It may be the video games. It may be the television. It may be the professional sports. All of these things will drain away your spiritual power. It may be your love of money, your love of success. It may be bitterness and anger. All of these things will drain away your spiritual life and cause you to be cold-hearted before Jesus. The five virgins who had the oil, they were ready. And they went into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. 
Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, open the door for us. They come knocking on the door. They come calling out. Hey, we're here, we're here, we have the oil. And he answered, I tell you the truth. I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. In other words, that both the sinner and the sinning Christian were blocked from entrance into the wedding banquet with Jesus because they were not prepared. Their hearts were cold. They were walking in sin. They had not made preparation. I'm concerned about you today. I've been crying out to God for you. Do you need revival? Do you need your heart enlivened again, aflame again by the presence and the power of Jesus? Or have you never been inflamed with the wonderful, wonderful power of Jesus? Have you always been cold-hearted, casual, an observer? Now, I'm very grateful for those of you who today are honest and sincere Christians who have made preparation, and I beseech you, would you pray for me and would you pray for this broadcast and will you stand with me for revival in Washington, D.C.? I ask one Christian man, is your heart committed to revival? And he said, no. I think we have different callings. I said, how is this possible? How is it possible that any Christian could say, I'm not called to revival. I'm not called to help people come alive in Jesus. Isn't that what this is all about? Serving Jesus with all of our hearts. Isn't that what this is about? For me, it's all about revival. It's about giving men and women an opportunity to start over with Jesus or to start for the first time with Jesus. There are many people who have never been invited to church, who have never been invited to follow Jesus. Do they know people who call themselves Christians? Of course they do. But nobody loved them enough to say, Would you come to church? Could I talk to you about Jesus? No one ever cared enough to reach out to them. Do you have people like that in your life? I praise God for those of you who are earnest soul winners. I praise God for those of you who stand with me in this broadcast for revival in Washington, D.C. Those of you who call yourselves Christians but still walk in rebellion against my Lord Jesus. And those of you who are listening but have never made a commitment. 
I come asking you, please, would you consider Jesus today? Will you humble your heart before him today? Will you seek him? If you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. Will you turn aside from everything that would distract you? And will you begin to reach out to Jesus? Will you recognize the danger you are in of judgment and destruction and being blocked out of the kingdom of heaven? It doesn't matter how religious you are. It only matters what you have with Jesus, the person, the the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the master of heaven and earth. What do you have with Jesus? Not what do you have with your friends. What do you have with Jesus? find a passage of scripture second timothy second timothy the third chapter but mark this there will be terrible times in the last days that's what we're faced with mass shootings Orgies, drug abuse, lying, cheating, stealing, violence on every hand. This is what we're faced with. Terrible times in the last days. Corruption in the government. I am stunned by the corruption in the federal government and the state government. This should not be. But as men and women have turned to their own lust for money and power, ambition-driven, we need to pray for our president. We need to pray for the Congress. The tax reform package must be passed. We need to be praying for our leaders because those of the progressive left who support everything of ungodliness and wickedness must not have the rule in America. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Do you notice there is a form of godliness? 
They may go to church, but they're dead. Are you one of those dead ones today? Will you turn to Jesus today? Will you make a decision to be revived by the power of the Holy Spirit? The wrath of God is coming upon all who act in this way. Notice, they are the kind that worm their way into homes and gain control over weak-willed women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Describes a lot of our leaders in this government. Weak-willed. Swayed by all kinds of evil desires. Walking in uncleanness, abusing women, sexually harassing, taking advantage. It's all over the news. It's everywhere. America cannot be saved. It will be destroyed if there is not a great revival in America. And I am coming pleading today because the revival must come in an individual's life. A revival does not come to government. A revival does not come to a church. Revival comes to the people who are a part of that church. Revival comes to those who are willing to submit their hearts, humble their hearts before God, and begin to search after Jesus by reading the Scripture, by fasting, by praying, by earnestly seeking after Him. There's no way to do this except to get on our faces before God and begin to confess who we really are. Who are you today? No, Who are you really today? Do you have just a form of godliness, but you have no power? You have no passion? You have no on-fire love for Jesus? You don't love the scriptures? You You don't love to walk in holiness before God? Then God's judgment is going to come upon you. And you will be swept away. And I'm coming today pleading with you to be revived in the name of Jesus. I spoke with a young woman this morning. She appeared to be very tired, and I asked her, Are you tired? And she said, Yes, I'm exhausted. I said, Why? She said, I spent 20 hours this weekend in classes. Well, why would she spend 20 hours in classes? Because she doesn't want to work where she works anymore. It doesn't pay enough. She wants to get a better job. She wants to do something that she thinks will be worthwhile. 20 hours in a weekend. When was the last time you spent 20 hours in a weekend searching after Jesus? When was the last time you spent 20 hours in a week or a month searching after Jesus? A man says to me, oh, Oh, pastor, I can't drive for 
45 minutes or an hour to come to the National Prayer Chapel. It's just too far. It's, it's too inconvenient for me. Oh, really? That's a pretty clear reading, isn't it, on how interested you are in Jesus? Please be honest with me today. What is your spiritual condition? No, really, what is your spiritual condition? Are you one of those sold out to Jesus, excited, willing to spend whatever time and money is necessary to build his kingdom, to be a part of his kingdom? Or are you one of those sinners who will soon be in the hands of an angry God? Who are you in Jesus today? Now I'm out of time for today. The broadcast has gone very quickly. But I urge you, please, go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. More than a hundred of you have gone to our donate page, have gone and looked at it, but have not donated anything. Only one person last week gave anything. This broadcast cannot stay on the air without your support. We're coming to the end of the month. I ask, please, if Jesus is moving in your heart to deepen your life, to revive you, open your heart and give as the Holy Spirit directs you. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, or write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. And I thank each one of you who has given this month. Right now, we're about $1,600 short for this month for radio. It's a huge bill for this month, almost $4,000. Thank each one of you who has given. God bless you. I pray you are revived in Jesus quickly. Almighty God, have your way today. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I love you. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley. I'll talk to you soon. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.